views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Hello. Oh, hi. Uh, no. What, what's the matter? What, what, what's, you sound terrible. No, what, sure I, what, what, what kind of emergency? No, well, stay there. I'll, stay there. I'll come over right now. I'll come over right now. Just stay there. I'll come right over. What's, what's me? Oh, oh what, are you okay? What's the matter? Are you all right? What? There's a spider in the bathroom. What? There's a big black spider in the bathroom. That's what you got me here for at 3 o'clock in the morning because there's a spider in the bathroom? Oh, my God. I mean, you know how I'm about insects. Oh. I can't sleep with a live thing crawling around in the bathroom. Kill it. For God, what's wrong with you? Don't you have a can of raid in the house? No. I told you a thousand times you should always keep a, a lot of insect spray. You never know who's going to crawl over. I know, I know. And a first aid Jesus. kit and a fire extinguisher. All right, give me a magazine because I'm a little tired. You know, you, you joke with them about me. You make fun of me. But I'm prepared for anything, an emergency, a tidal wave, an earthquake. Would you Is like a glass possible? of chocolate milk? Hey, what am I, your son? What do you mean? I, I came over for a... To, I got the good chocolate. Yeah, out of it. where's the spider? It's in the Where, is it in the bathroom? Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, don't squish it. And after it's dead, flush it down the toilet, okay? And flush I mean, it a couple of times. Darling, I've been killing spiders since I was 30, okay? It's a very big spider. Yeah. Two, yeah, a lot of treble. There's two of them. Two? Yep. I didn't think it was that big, but it's a major spider. You got a broom or something with a, oh, like a, I, a snow I, it's shovel? Oh, it's at your house. I think I left it there. I'm sorry. Oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Honey, there's a spider in your bathroom the size of a Buick. Oh, okay. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, April 30th, 2009. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we will be with you from now till noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be and welcome to the show today, where 519-661-3600 is a number you can call if you want to join in on the conversation. And you can email us as well at justrightchrw at gmail.com. Or, of course, visit our archived uh, list of past broadcasts, including current, at justrightmedia.org. And welcome to the show today, where our theme is political pests, politicians, and environmentalists. And I am joined in studio today by the owner of Springbank Garden Center, Charles Stumpf, who's here to discuss some of the latest issues, particularly surrounding pesticide bans and the like, which came into effect last week. Charles, welcome to the show. Thanks for inviting me, Bob. Charles, um, um, I saw you in the paper last week in the free press there, uh, apparently on Earth Day, uh, when um, uh, this new ban has come in. Now, I've known you for a while, you know, um, basically, today's show is going to be a little bit about one businessman's point of view on the uh, what I might call the totalitarian issues of the day. <laughs> Things like mm -hmm. pesticide bans, overregulation by government, um, maybe border shopping, media uh, talking about the media, taxes, green agenda, environment, anything else that might come up. Now, Charles is one of the few 
business people that I've seen over the years speak out on issues of individual freedom. And he's one of the individuals who's doing exactly what I recommended on last week's show. When we discussed what one person can do to protect or advance, you know, fundamental principles that constitute freedom. And, um, you know, there's always a perceived danger, I think, to business people for expressing their political views. Though in my own personal experience, it all depends on what those views are and how they're being expressed. Charles, just before uh, the show, you were talking about uh, some of your, your competitors saying, well, how come you get on those shows all the time and we see in the news all the time? And you just said, uh, well, because you never say no. Absolutely. If uh, the, uh, any uh, TV station or radio station calls, I'm happy to uh, give my opinion and let them know what the state is in the real world because most of them necess- don't necessarily know what's going on in, uh, in you know, what the actual business, actual customers, that sort of thing. Do you find it's ever hurt your business to do that? No. In fact, I was really surprised this time. I was expecting, you know, 10, 20, uh, you know, hate calls or, oh my goodness, I'm never shopping at your place again. But I got absolutely zero. In fact, I had done a huge number of customers say, boy, I'm glad somebody's actually, you know, saying things that, uh, hey, government's supposed to serve me. They're not supposed to dictate my lifestyle. And that's exactly the point I try to make is, these people in uh, in office are made to serve. They're elected to, you know, not dictate our lifestyle, but to, uh, you know, make sure that we're safe, uphold the laws, property rights, that sort of thing. Let me do whatever I want and just stay out of my life. Uh, that's certainly a sentiment of a lot of people, but of course we're living in a world where there's a lot more people that don't, don't share that sentiment, unfortunately. Now, you know, I remember you and I first met, I don't know if you remember this, back in around the mid-1980s. Okay. And you were running another company then, and it was called Land of Software. That's right. Which was a big company, very well known. I think everybody I knew who bought any kind of software at the time, that was a place to go. At one point, we were actually London's largest computer retailer. Just before the big box stores opened, there was no Future Shop, no Staples or Business Depot. And yeah, Land of Software was actually London's largest computer retailer, and we were the largest retailer of Epson printers at one point in the early 90s. Excellent. I still use Epson today, by the way. Wonderful. But, um, you know, you recommended a database to us back then in 1985-ish, 84-ish, written by Ashton Tate called um, Rapid File. Believe it or not, we're still using it today. Terrific. That's amazing. And and you know what? We never had a Y2K problem with it. (laughs) It worked fine. But we did have, in the year 2001, a very insignificant little printer glitch. Mm-hmm. where we had to reset something just to do that one type of report. Everything, of course, it didn't affect the date. Or, wait, wait, can I get my money back on that? <laughs> that didn't work that way. <laughs> I don't know what made me think of that just yeah. now. But, um, you know, and I'm thinking, even Y2K, it's almost like this whole green thing and all the bans against pesticides and ban, ban, ban. It's almost like a permanent Y2K situation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, it seems to me that uh, it's a never-ending, you know, never-actualized, always-pending crisis that's never going to go away. Mm-hmm. And um, now you asked a question, certainly. Uh, first of all, before I get to that, how, how do you go from, from land to software to... Um, Springbank Garden Center. Is that, was that a smooth move? Or, or Well, actually, it was quite interesting. I actually grew up on a farm. I was um, a farmer involved in agriculture. In fact, I was driving tractors when I was six and seven. A couple times I got caught by the police driving on the road, um, much uh, much too young. And uh, so I grew up on the land, and that actually was uh, something I always wanted to go back to. And uh, I saw computers as a money-making opportunity in the early 80s. So that worked fantastic for 14 years. Let me build a lot of capital. And that uh, then eventually I wanted to get back into something more green and a real estate opportunity came up and 
Then I got the garden center, and that's actually a lot, uh, a lot more fun than technology, really, all the way around, because you get to. You, you realize the tremendous irony in what I you just said. That's right. Yes. <laughs> See, I get to be, I get to be outside and get my hands dirty, right. and that's wonderful. Because here you are, Charles. You must be in the greenest business that I can think of, and yet your industry is still under attack by what I'd call the greeny meanies. Right. I mean, between the environmental slogans, uh, green and Earth Day, uh, you know, you'd think that your business would be totally untouched. Absolutely. By, yeah. by the green movement, and yet here you are. You asked the question, where is the science? What, what do you mean by that when you're talking about the current ban on... Um, on pesticides and stuff. Well, I'm really happy when Health Canada, real scientists, real people with far more knowledge, but knowledge about biology than I have, test a product and say, "Yep, this is safe when used as the labels or used as the directions on the labels indicate." I'm very happy with that because obviously there's you know the chemicals that might have unintended consequences. These people test those things and they approve them for a certain use. You can use them in agriculture. You can use them in the home. That is science that I trust. Yeah, even though they're government scientists, obviously those things have to be peer-reviewed and so on. But then when an uninformed, ignorant politician comes along and says, wow, here's an opportunity. People are scared of chemicals. You know what? I'm going to put myself in the news and ban these things because, oh, it's only for looks. Oh, we don't really we have to worry anybody should tell me I cannot use a product that has been deemed safe. I mean, we put chemicals right into our bodies. People take uh, aspirin. People take all sorts of things like Prozac and other well, nonsense. We, we, dump, we dump chemicals into our water, and that's what makes it safe. That's right, chlorine. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, it's like, it's like this New York, the New York City joke, you know, New, yeah. New York City water is full of chemicals. That's why it's safe to drink. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and people don't seem to realize as well, not, not that we're arguing every chemical in the world is safe under every condition, Absolutely. Um, but that um, basically the reaction to all of this is I don't think it's really driven by, by any motivation to protect the environment. You know, even in your article, and the art, not your article, the article about you in the London Free Press by right. Chip Martin, I got it here mm -hmm. April 22nd in the Free Press, Londoners Stockpile Chemicals, reads the headline. And the subheading reads, Earth Day, Cosmetic Use of Pesticides Banned as of Today. And I found interesting the first sentence that was used by Chip Martin. A brave new world in lawn care begins today across Ontario. And it will be populated by dandelions, which is what you told me on the way in, as we were observing all the dandelions along yeah, the road. Yeah, beautiful dandelions right, right there on the main thoroughfare at Western here. <laughs> But, uh, but interestingly, I wonder how many people have read A Brave New World, the, the book Brave New World, uh, you no. know, because it talks about, uh, doesn't talk about environmentalism, folks. It talks about uh, a totalitarian society <laughs> moving in on you, and it's the little things that eventually build up to become uh, the big things. Now, of course, on the 22nd, that was Earth Day, and the province picked it to enact its legislation banning the cosmetic use of pesticides. Mm -hmm. Another very symbolic thing there, eh, Charles? Mm -hmm. Like, it's yeah. not, why well, pick Earth Day? If it's right. important, do it now. That's right. right? Well, a, a year before, that's when McGinty announced it on Earth Day, and it came out of the blue. There was really nothing expected like that. He had made, uh, you know, brief mentions in election campaigns, but sure enough, Earth Day comes up. Oh, here's an opportunity to be politically correct and everything. And, uh, you know, then a year later, the actual law is there, and the law is full of just nonsense. Uh, even something relatively in environmentally benign, for instance, dumping your gray dishwasher uh, dishwater instead of down the sanitary sewer to be processed by the plant. 
a lot of uh, ladies, you know, dump that into the garden. The soapy part helps mm-hmm. get rid of aphids, and of course the water part uh, irrigates the garden. Technically, that's not even allowed anymore because that's cosmetic, but it's a wonderful, common-sense, practical thing to do. Now, of course, nobody's ever going to get fined for that, but the regulation itself, the, besides well, the fact you, that you the whole m- thing is nonsense. You said another interesting thing um, just before the show, and which probably relates to that Woody Allen clip at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, the spiders he was killing mm-hmm. were inside. That's right. Now, you're, now tell me what you... Uh, yeah, this wh- pesticide man only affects things outside for cosmetic use. Anything that you've ever used inside is still legal. Can you imagine if the politicians had passed a law that said, oh, no, you have to now live with those nice little silver sh- silverfish well, cockroaches or something? No, it only affects any outside chemicals. Now, i got a question for you in that regard. This is personal. <laughs> I have at home a 20, 25-year-old can of, I think it's Black Flag. I'm not even sure of the brand name. but Oh, some. yeah, that could be. Okay. And um, it's getting really near the bottom. I have since, I was going to throw it out. Mm-hmm. And I went out and I went to a hardware store, bought a new can of Black Flag, right. sprayed it around, didn't kill a thing. Mm-hmm. I could spray till I was blue in the face. Right. This old 20-year-old can, mm-hmm. it's lasted, I can use it every year, a single spray around mm-hmm. my, my uh, around the tub and in my, in my washroom, I don't see bugs anymore for the right. rest of the summer. Yeah. And what has happened are supposed chemicals. They, mm-hmm. I don't even think they work. I don't yeah. even bother with them anymore. Yeah, they've changed the formulations on a lot of those things, um, especially recently in the last six or eight years. It used to be that you couldn't, uh, that you could have a product that left a residue for quite some time, and that's the sort of thing that they've slowly gotten rid of so that if something gets dumped accidentally or anything like that, the residue won't contaminate things for a long time. So all the chemicals today metabolize or biodegrade much quicker than they used to, and that's why they're much less effective. So the old chemicals that you had, if you used them properly like you did, it was Mm -hmm. perfect. But, you know, people say, oh, well, one in a hundred doesn't use it properly. They dump the whole can in, it runs toward the sewer. But that causes people who use it properly to be spraying more than they should be in the first place. (laughs) Absolutely, and they try one thing (laughs) after the other. They waste their money, and, uh, yeah, the, the net benefit to the environment is zero. In fact, it's a detriment. Now, it also said here in, in, in the article about about uh, your situation last week, you said, in, or n- n- the article said, not you said, in anticipation of the ban, Londoners, like lawn lovers everywhere, stocked up on the chemicals. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting that it's yeah. the lawn lovers who are stocking up on the chemicals. I guess the opposite people are the lawn haters. I don't haters, know. Yeah. Well, even but, last fall but, when but, uh, people realized it was coming, when mm-hmm. there was huge sales in uh, some of the chemicals. A lot of people are realized that, you know, it's not the government's business to uh, tell me what I can use and what I can't. I'm not a lawbreaker. I'm going to use a legal product. And as long as you don't brag about it, I see nothing wrong with that at all. Bad law has to be ignored to change it. And it sounds like a lot of people are going to be doing that. Um, do you anticipate any cases coming up? Anybody wanting to make themselves, say, a, a purposeful martyr on this issue? <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I no? think uh, most people realize, you know, I just want to look after myself and uh, I'm going to use what I need. And, of course, there's always the border. You know, Port Huron's only an hour away from London, and it's quite easy to get things across there as long as you're a little bit innovative. And that's what I um, sometimes suggest to people. You know, if you don't agree with your freedoms being infringed upon, then head for Port Huron and don't hide it on the way back. It's going to introduce some interesting border issues as well, which we're going to get into later in the show, in fact. Okay. 
I notice here that Jay Sanford, uh, Director of Environmental Programs and Solid Waste of the city, said that the enact this is a provincial law now. Yes. So basically the city's law is gone. The city's law is now superseded, correct. Okay, and, and um, the city's ban, which was introduced September 30th, is now done. And as Sanford said, this is uh, their, they mean the, pr- the province, their law is more strict, he said, of the provincial law. Having a natural lawn can be achieved. We have to lower our expectations a little. Having a pristine, weed-free lawn, those days are gone. And I read a statement like that, and I say, what a jerk. I'm sorry. I can't think <laughs> anything else. What an aloof, elitist thing to say that people cannot have a wi- pristine, weed-free lawn. Yes, if that's what um, they want, that's what they should have. Just like if they want a perfectly painted house and they want to do theirs every second year, that's great. The other person who doesn't mind a little bit of cracked paint, if they want to paint every 10 years, that's fine. It should be personal choice. Sure. They've taken that away. And um, here's what I like. Uh, Stanford said that the city will continue to educate Londoners about how to retain a good lawn without pesticide. Now I'm thinking, why do you bother with education? They've already opted to force instead of persuasion. Why, why bother with educating? What does that mean? Absolutely. The socialist's best trick is forced. Yeah. Uh, they never uh, go with uh, plain reason. That doesn't uh, apply to them. Now, um, the article notes that more than 250 products were banned for sale and more mm-hmm. than 80 pesticide ingredients banned. And the, the interesting thing here is, remember that it's all, it's all under one category, and that word is cosmetic. That's okay. right, yeah. And uh, that's why you have so many exceptions, and that's part of the socialist mentality. If something's for need, you can do anything, even take drugs. You can take heroin, anything, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it for pleasure, or you're doing it for beauty, or if you're doing it for something human, above the animal level, mm-hmm. then it is evil. And, and it's re- I don't, you know, therefore, that's why businesses are generally exempt, because that's a person's mode of survival. Right. And so, uh, but they don't understand, I think, that on the, fam- on, on the living level, the same, the same mm-hmm. principles apply. So you've got all these exceptions you know, for public health, safety reasons, um, agriculture, forestry, golf courses exempt, are exempt. <laughs> and I get this, they are exempted if they file reports Right. about how they reduce pesticide yeah. use. So now the golf courses have to file annual pesticide uh, report. It's just utterly r- outrageous. Listen, Charles, we're going to come back to this right after this break. We've got to take a quick break here, and you've got to listen to this. Here's something truly outrageous. Um, this is some Earth Day propaganda. I recorded this off the Weather Channel just a couple of days before Earth Day was approaching. And believe it or not, here you will hear the folks on the Weather Channel celebrating our economic downturn cuts in production, unemployment, literally, as it was broadcast on the Weather Channel April 19th, just prior to Earth Day. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk about red tape and red propaganda, and we'll be right back. You're watching the Weather Network. Uh, Jed Goldberg from Earth Day Canada joins us. Um, With Earth Day coming up and everything, Jed, I want to ask you a couple of questions. First of all, about the economic downturn, and is there a kickback, an upswing on, on the ecological side with this? Actually, surprisingly, the economic downturn has been nothing but positive on the environmental side. And the reason for that is, is people are buying less, they're more careful with their money, therefore fewer things are being produced, there's fewer resources that are being extracted and, and manufactured, all that tr- transportation has been cut way back, and the, the actual production in uh, factories has been cut back. So all of those fossil fuels, all those greenhouse gas emissions have all been reduced dramatically. So it may not be so great for the economy, but for the environment, it, it, there's an...
There's a, there's a big upswing for that, and, and not only that, but people are constantly looking for ways that they could cut back on the, on the amount of money that they're, that they're spending, and there's still that environmental concern out there, so there's the opportunity to be able to sort of mix the two, save money and help the environment at the same time. the engine, is it? Have you tested it? Not yet. Doesn't look like we're going to. Listen to this. I am directed to inform you that your petition to test an atomic energy reaction engine at the scene of the construction of your rocket ship is regretfully denied. Denied? It is the opinion of the Commission that a possible danger exists should the engine fail structurally in the resultant dispersal of radioactive materials around the neighborhood of the test area. Now, we've told them a dozen times we've cleared the area out for ten miles around. While it is admitted that no real danger of atomic explosion exists, a belief in such danger does exist in the public mind. It is the policy of the Commission... Policy, my foot! Somebody's throwing a monkey wrench. Oh, wait, there's more. The test is authorized at the Special Weapons Testing Center in the South Pacific. South Pacific? <laughs> That's doggone nice of them. What's the matter with the North Pole or, or Little America? What's a few months delay one way or the other? They're merely trying to protect their own necks. You can't buck public opinion. I've tried. Have you seen this? That isn't public opinion. It's a job of propaganda. You're almighty right it is. Manufactured and organized with money and brains. Somebody's out to get us. Stops us in our tracks anyway. Yeah, it's right. Somebody's behind it. You know, that, that clip, by the way, was taken from a 1950s science fiction done by libertarian writer Robert Heinlein, who understood the precautionary principle mm -hmm. as long ago as that. It's nothing new. Everybody thinks that what's happening today with all this, yeah. you know, madness is something new. It isn't. The same ideas have been bantied around for ages. Mm -hmm. And in consistent, just to be consistent with what we just heard, um, Charles, here's something I dug out of the uh, National Post. Um, Day vows to defend Quebec ban, Quebec ban on pesticide, okay? Trade Minister Stockwell Day vows a vigorous defense of Quebec's ban on lawn pesticides containing 2,4-D from a challenge by U.S. Uh, chemical company through the North American Free Trade Agreement. Dow AgroSciences is to decide within a few weeks whether to go ahead with a threatened claim through NAFTA for $2 million, which is not a lot, just as Ontario is introducing similar pesticide controls that put 2,4-D on the ban list. Should this claim proceed, the government of Canada will continue to work with the government of Quebec to vigorously defend our interests, Mr. Day said. And not the environment, but our interests, you notice mm -hmm. that? Remember what I said last week, folks? There's no such thing as a public interest. There are only private interests. And um, NAFTA preserved the state's ability to regulate in the public interest, including issues concerning public health and environmental issues related to pesticides. Listen, we got a call on the phone, I think. Is that correct? And it is Peter. Peter, are you there? I'm here. Peter, what would you like to add to our conversation today? Um, just to, just to uh, enforce the point that I appreciate the government, uh, you know, taking a protective stance and protecting my interest on this, this issue. Oh, good. What is your interest? Could you define that interest? Uh, well, it's not the interest of a, a super nice lawn, but just the responsible use of chemicals. Well, no nobody, nobody have, you heard, have, you, have you heard anyone here um, arguing about the responsible use of chemicals? 
Yeah, you make points that, about about the water, right? The chemicals are are good. They're good for our water, so therefore they must be good for our lawn. Well, that's why there's no reason why we can't get into the specifics. Mm-hmm. By saying this chemical is good, this one is bad. Yeah, Peter, government scientists at Health Canada have said these things are safe when used according to instructions. Just like chlorine is safe when put into water at the right level, you put the whole bottle of bleach in. Oh boy, that's not so good. But you use it correctly, and everything's fine. You don't buy that, do you, Peter? Well, I think you have to be careful when you say that something is safe, too. Right? These studies aren't conclusive, and there's no reason we also shouldn't sort of err on the side of caution. Well, you know, uh, what, what, what levels of these things down? Well, you know, I don't believe in erring just because it's on the side of caution. If you if you admit it's an error, then why are you advocating error? I think I would prefer to be right than to be wrong, just so I can say I'm being cautionary. Um, and 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 exa- in fact, you've brought up an an incredible, incredible. It's going to come up later. You're going to hear <laughs> some statistics that will turn you right around on this. Because, you know, there's no proof on your side of, I I hate to say, on your side of the argument. Um, I I understand there are certain people might have allergies to certain things, but that could be to anything that's that's harmless to most people. And, you know, people themselves are chemicals. We're walking chemical. We're we're stockpiled chemicals. Hydrogen, oxygen, all kinds of stuff. And we're going to be using hydrogen for fuel pretty soon. You know? So what chemicals are you particularly worried about? Well, I mean, some things might be fairly innocuous. But I don't know exactly what they are. I'm not a chemist, but there's no reason that we can't, you know, study it and have, find have, out. Peter, have you got a girlfriend that colors her hair, that likes to wear fancy, um, oh, fluorescent pink uh, tops? Imagine the chemicals there. And you know what, Peter? I think that's cosmetic. Maybe we better let her just wear drab gray from now on. <laughs> See, that's yeah, where I'm it okay leads to. Are you okay with that? Sure. But she's gorgeous when she wears those nice fuchsia <laughs> tops, isn't she? Oh, you bet. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Peter, when you started the call, you said that you know this was against your interest. Well, what about say just just out of a hat? What about my interest? Do I do I have any say in any of this? But you're saying as a business owner, you're right. To I'm not. A, I'm not a business owner. I'm not talking. Well, I know, but no, I'm talking about side. me at home spraying my own lawn, not your lawn, not going anywhere near your property. Yeah, I have a specific interest. You know, say my dogs or pets, you know, are walking on your lawn and like munch on some of that grass. Like there's well, spin-off effects, right, to your neighbors. Excuse me, you're telling me you think you have a right that, you, that your dog has a right to come onto my lawn? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> Please. Like th- we're not, I don't th- that explains a lot about your point of view. Like other wildlife as well, okay? Not just domesticated animals. And what wildlife to, uh, is dying from Killex? I haven't heard of any. Well, that's exactly the sort of thing that we should learn about and and study. Well, exactly, and we do. And you know what happens, Peter? We def- we discover that it's safe, and guess what we do? We ban it under the very logic that you just brought up. We and so actually, I, c- I don't believe you when you say you even <laughs> care that anything is safe, because I know that's not true from what you're telling me. The part that I doubt is that these things are safe. Thank you. That's a much more honest statement. You're just a complete skeptic. You're, you're completely yeah. skeptical that any chemical can be safe. Yeah, and even government scientists no, no, no. that have approved it, you don't even believe them, eh? But government politicians that say the ban is good, those are okay, but the scientists on the government side that say it's safe, uh, no, I'm not going to believe them. Well, I would agree with you that we should, you know, examine closely um, this, the government reports and make sure that these things are safe or not safe. Mm-hmm. That should be built into you know, our legislative process. Yeah. I, I actually agree with that, except the, the problem is it's built there, but the government's yeah. not acting on it. Yeah. 
I'd like to make one more point, Peter. One of the reasons mm-hmm. that you can buy bread at a dollar sixty-nine a loaf and that sort of thing is because two four D is used universally around the world to control weeds in wheat crops. That's where actually it was de- invented for. I used to be a farmer, mm-hmm. and that is why you can get incredibly cheap um, wheat for making bread and that sort of thing. Because no longer does wheat have to compete with all those other weeds. That was developed for that, and then they found, hey, it works on lawns too. So these are chemicals that you know really have an amazing use. Now they're not banned in agriculture, but uh, maybe that's coming too if uh, we just don't base things on science and just on emotion. No, no, no. There's amazing use, uh, you know, an amazing efficiency of growing crops shouldn't be our only goal, right? We have to balance that with uh, minimizing some other harms to our environment or, you know, I hate to use but that wh- why do you, wh- show, But why do you think that's not already going on? Do you really think all those farmers out there are so bloody stupid that you know more than they do about an industry that obviously you, you, you have already said you don't know much about? I don't understand where that, where that um, license comes from. Well, I think that cutting out some of these is just using, uh, you know, our, our knowledge responsibly. Well, I okay, I we'll have to leave it there. We're going to have to okay. agree to disagree. Okay. Thanks very much, Peter. But, um, boy, I certainly can't. See, Peter's part of the problem here. And right, Interesting when he calls. Let me continue this article, the next two paragraphs. Listen to this, Peter. Um, this is about the claim of uh, against the challenge by uh, Dow Company. And they're talking about should this claim proceed, the government of Canada will continue to protect their interests. They're going to be against it. But here's the awkward position that Canada is in. Get this, quote, and this is from the National Post. Um, while the federal government would defend Quebec, it is in an awkward position because the Federal Health Canada test Pest Regulatory Agency declared 24D safe exactly. if used as directed. Mm-hmm. That finding is at the heart of Dow's case. Dow says Quebec's ban is not driven by science, but by political, social, and cultural considerations, and the province has broken a promise to review the precautionary ban, which is a precautionary principle we're talking about, after the federal pest agency review is complete. And Claude-André Lachance, uh, director of public policy for Dow Chemical, insisted the issue is not about compensation, it's not about commercial interest, it is about due process. So, you know, it's just amazing. There you have a clear situation. The government has done the very tests that Peter suggested. Mm-hmm. They found it safe, and the answer is ban. Like, why bother with the test? Why did they even go there? Right. Listen, we gotta take, we're at the bottom of the hour. We have to take a quick break for some ads. But first, um, just prior to this ad for two, three minutes, you'll be hearing another clip from the Weather Channel, uh, again from that Earth Day clip. And here's a list of just some of the sacrifices that they want you to make for the planet. And we'll be back in a few minutes. So what, what, are the f- what are the five things that Canadians can simply do to save money and help the environment? Well, we could start off with really just a basic theme, and that's really uh, cutting back on the fossil fuels that we're using. And there's a range of different ways to be able to do that and save a lot of money as we do it. So first of all, uh, just, just taking your thermostat and in the summertime moving it up a few notches, so that it, somewhere between 24 and 26 deg- de- degrees, is going to save you a lot of money and reduce the amount of uh, energy that you're using. Your transportation uh, choices are also important. Active transportation, so walking, biking, cycling, or using public transportation is going to, if you couple all those things together, you could be saving almost 3,000 kilograms of greenhouse gas emissions uh, in, in a year. 
the way that you wash your clothes. Wash your clothes in cold water, dry your clothes by air drying on a line. Uh, that's going to save you in the, in the hot water uh, that you're uh, having to, to produce, uh, as well as all the electricity from the dryer as well. Uh, when you take a vacation, so many people go away in the summertime, try a staycation. So instead of you know, hopping on a plane and going to some exotic location, stay close to home. Uh, try uh, enjoying what is going on in the region where you live. And while you're doing that, make it a real vacation and maybe you know, eliminate uh, your computer use while you're on that holiday. Sit there, read a book, relax a little bit, do some gardening, enjoy the outdoors. Think of, of how much you're going to save financially as well as all of the fossil fuels that are not going to be used for all that transportation. And the last one is your food choices. So instead of, uh, instead of getting those, those vegetables that may be coming from South America or from South Africa or China, try going to a farmer's market. Try buying locally produced food. And when you're buying food, also try and cut back on the amount of meat that you're eating. Uh, because there's a lot of environmental uh, impacts with, um, with, with meat, uh, as well as the cost involved as well. So when you couple all these things together, you're talking about doing good for the environment and saving yourself a lot of money as you go along too. Well, it, yeah, with summer barbecue season, you're saying if you just cut meat out just one meal a week, for the whole summer, you could save hundreds of dollars for your family, can't you? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's a lot more expensive buying a steak uh, than it is going out and buying some, some vegetables that you can grill. Okay, great. Thanks for the tips. It's always great. And enjoy Earth Day, Jed. Thanks, Chris. Okay. Canada for a while, uh, I, I can safely say this. You guys live up to the stereotype that uh, the Americans have of you, of Canadians, and that, that you're nuts. That's the one thing I found. And if you've got to have a stereotype, being nice ain't such a bad one. You know what I mean? Although, and don't get me wrong, I don't believe just because a lot of people meet the stereotype of being nice that there are no mean Canadians. I know there are mean Canadians. I know where you're keeping them. Down at the border. Jeez, almighty. What is pissing off those people? <laughs> maybe having to stand upwind from Buffalo all day, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Sitting in a phone booth sucking car fumes. Yay! I was hassled by the man, I ain't gonna lie to you. They asked me, what are you doing? Why, why, do you, why, are, you, why are you coming to Canada? And here's what I thought I said. I could have sworn to God what came out of my mouth was, uh, oh, I'm coming to perform at, at a comedy club. I tell a few jokes, make people forget their troubles for a little bit, you know. In essence, I'm an ambassador of goodwill between our two nations. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I thought I said. But apparently, to the trained ears of the guard, they heard, oh, there's a body in my trunk. That's what's going on. Oh, my. Three 
hours, three hours they're taking apart my car. My mechanic should spend so much time on my car. <laughs> oh, and then they ask you the questions. You know, do you have any alcohol? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you better not be sneaking in that watery American beer. That's what's going on. <laughs> do you have any marijuana? No. Wh why, the snowboard? Is that what you're asking? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose you could add, do you have any pesticides with you? Are those pesticides intended for cosmetic purposes? Are you into chemicals for any reason from self-abuse to gardening? <laughs> <laughs> Can you just see it, Charles? <laughs> Welcome back, folks. You're listening to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where I, where I am joined in studio by Charles Stumpf, owner and operator of Springbank Gardening Center. Located right. on Springbank, 462, is that the address? Yeah, 462 wow, Springbank, yes. And of course, 519-661-3600, the number to call if you want to join in on the conversation. Um, Charles, did you have any comments? Just basically, I noticed yeah. you were writing away when you heard uh, both the thing from the Weather Channel there, what um, yeah. what they were well, suggesting actually, with all the things we should and should not do. Yeah, two, two real comments. One mm -hmm. of the things that's um, so transparently, or you can see how nonsensical the bylaw is, is the fact that golf courses are omitted. I mean, that's the playgrounds of uh, especially politicians. I mean, what politician doesn't uh, golf? And uh, you might provincial also... Provincial law, by the way. I think you said bylaw. That's oh, a provincial oh, yeah, sorry, law, provincial right? law. That's correct. It was a bylaw. Now um, it's a provincial law. That's right. I mean, golf courses are exempted, and the reports they have to write are, are complete uh, nonsense, too. It's how they intend or are reducing pesticide use. So, oh, we're making every effort to investigate new products, and that's fine. That is your report. You're good. Mm -hmm. But of course, I mean, they really understand these chemicals are safe. Obviously, a golf course is going to use them exactly according to label instructions because they want them to be as effective as possible. They're not going to double the use and waste their money. I mean, they are a profit-making business. And who does a lot of golfing? Who do you see out there? Retirees, people that have been walking and playing on golf courses for maybe 30, 40, and longer years, and they're as healthy as can they're staying active, and I guess they've, you know, inhaled those fumes for quite some time, and uh, <laughs> they seem to be still going strong. The other thing with uh, the Weather Channel thing, making sacrifices and the economy's down and people are uh, yeah, yay, saving all that. that. Oh, isn't that something great for Western students to hear? Well, you know what? There's less jobs. There's less activity. Oh, boy, and I'm going into this job market. Hooray, and I'm supposed to be happy about that. Oh, boy. Well, you know. It's almost as if everything about the green move movement is non-movement. Don't move. That's don't, right. Don't sit like a sit at home. You know, move up your thermostat if it's cold yeah. out. If it's hot outside, turn it down. If it's cold outside. Well, there's a suggestion I do have. There's so many government offices and they're multiplying like crazy. Why don't we make them turn their thermostat up to maybe 28 in the summer and down to 17 in the winter? Let's start there because there's huge buildings. That would be a massive saving. <laughs> make them beautiful. suffer. <laughs> well, I mean, they're obviously on the front lines. They want to do good for us. Well, let's let them lead the way. You know, I, I was listening to all the uh, all these suggestions they're making uh, on on the Weather Channel, and you know most of them are wrong. Okay, Absolutely. from an environmental point of view, just wrong, 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 wrong. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just ridiculous. Um, one of the things I keep hearing too, you know, I, and I heard this on the Weather Channel. It wasn't in the clip, but you know, they're always recommending uh, go 100 instead of 120. Mm -hmm. right? You'll save 20% fuel. Right? No, you won't. You no. won't. Where do, you know what? You know what they leave out the What's time. That? Okay. See, if I'm if I'm going doing 120 on the road, now I want to see them how they figure that out. Mm -hmm. Are they taking into account 
the half hour that I'm no longer on the road if I go 120 instead of 100, okay, yeah. right? <laughs> when I'm doing zero because I'm not on the road anymore. Are yeah. they subtracting that fuel I'm not using because I got to my destination earlier? Uh-huh. You know, they're not they're not taking into account the yeah. whole picture. There's there is a payoff yeah. for well, that I little thought, extra. I thought there they actually took the fact that you know going the 60 miles or whatever takes X amount of fuel, but X plus two at um, you know 120. So I thought that's how they did it, but maybe not. Yeah, I know the not time not from the examples you get. And yeah. I, and I've seen many um, condemnations of that, saying, "Yeah, you can you can easily say that I'm using 20% less energy mm-hmm. if I'm going at 80 instead of yeah. 100, let's say." Yeah. But that doesn't translate into 20% yeah. savings. No. Uh, it's so marginal because you're already they're paying. They're not putting any value on your time either. It's exactly. You do make it to your destination earlier and be more productive when you get there. Y- your time is always the zero factor worth in nothing. anything green because it's worth nothing. And that's right. the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and they tell you to wash in cold water. You know, I hear ads on the radio all the time. Um, by companies saying you should wash in hot water because that's how you kill the germs. Mm-hmm. That's how you kill uh, bed mites or whatever yeah. they are, you oh, know, yeah, and all that mites, kind of right. dust mites mm-hmm. and stuff like that, especially for people um, with, with certain um, allergies and stuff. Yeah. It's interesting, too, here, National Post, April 1st, mm-hmm. hospitals warned about green cleaners, and they're right. concerned that it's yeah. because of these green cleaners that we're getting all these superbugs. Mm-hmm. And that the flood of new green cleaning products and disinfectants being used by Canadian hospitals are often ineffective in combating infections that sicken thousands of patients a year. Now, here's something interesting. Uh, this, this relates to the previous caller we had, who's looking for some kind of proof that we, you know, that one thing is more harmful than another. Mm-hmm. Now, it says here some hospitals are having difficulty controlling infection rates because of the change in products. Um, the fear is that underpowered green products are making hospitals more susceptible to such pathogens as C. difficile and Norwalk virus, although they haven't, quote, scientifically proven that yet either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's estimated that nosocomial infection, microbes spread within a hospital, get this, claim 8 to 12,000 lives in Canada yearly. Mm-hmm. And hygiene within the facilities is considered the major factor. Experts say the drive to make cleaners more environmentally friendly is important, noting the gases released by products such as chlorine bleach can be harmful to both staff and patients. Now here, you know, I'm thinking, uh, you know, what about the the, the diseases that have to be killed? The microbes that have to be killed have already demonstrated a death rate of 8 to 12,000 deaths a year. Mm -hmm. Gas from chlorine deaths, uh, deaths from chlorine gas, how many of them we had? Oh, they suspect there like, might be a few. They haven't proven a single one. Oh, okay. Well, then we know it's zero. <laughs> but let's say it was three. Is that, right. is three worth 12,000? Are you, right. are you listening, Peter? It's an interesting You know, we didn't trade-off. invent these chemicals for nothing. And I think people forget what it was like in the 50s yes, when, before we had right. these. Yeah. Um, and now it says, meanwhile, the testing required for licensing of disinfectants is now insufficient to prove their effectiveness in a real-world hospital situation. Again, illustrating last week's principle that reality is the determinant of an idea's truth or value. But, you know, that's, that's where I, yeah. it's just absolutely amazing. And um, doesn't doesn't affect how the patients are affected. Nobody seems to care about them. It's the environment and all this, right? Yeah, that's right. And then, of course, don't eat meat. Uh, don't travel. Uh, don't use your computer. And then they suggest do gardening. And that one's good for you. Oh, you, you oh yes, I like that. Well, a lot of things on gardening, <laughs> you know, are, are nice. But uh, you certainly want it to be pleasurable. I think the way they recommend you do gardening is by being a slave to your garden or a slave to your lawn. I see people kneeling on their 
on their driveway, scraping the weeds out. Oh, my goodness. That's why we developed Roundup in, uh, in fields. It works so well. You do it twice a year. You put it on at the right rate. You've got so much more time to sit on the patio and enjoy the company of your loved one. And uh, here, no, they want you out there on your knees scraping weeds out of the cracks in your driveway. Oh, great progress. Yeah, I'll tell you. Well, listen, we've got only about a little while left. Maybe we can get into a few other issues that might be on your mind. I know there's been all kinds of bans in the province besides just pesticides and other Mm -hmm. issues that certainly affect business people. I know one of the things that um, has been going on, even with driving, you see all these auto bans, you know, the the most recent drinking and driving penalties, banned on handheld technologies in the car, uh, which, by the way, uh, is totally a ban on technology, not on driving Mm -hmm. safer. Do you know that there's no law that says you have to have both hands on the wheel? Oh, no, I wasn't aware of that. that. If that was the intention, why not just make that law? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, they they attack they attack specifically technology because uh, they don't care about whether you have a hamburger or something else in your hand, but you can get an extra fine for that. And of course, we have to go through the emission tests and and imposition of limiters now for the commercial traffic, and it's just getting worse and worse all the time. So you know, even if you obey the rules, you can still get punished, as this next clip will demonstrate for a quick smile, and we'll come back on the other side, talk a bit about this whole socialist situation we seem to be in. Back after this. Can can anyone answer this question, right? If you're on your driving test, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in Britain, if you're on your driving test and an animal ran out in front of the car, what are you supposed to do? Run it over is the right answer, sir. That's what they say. They say anything else is a danger to other road users. I'm on my test. Everything's going great. Suddenly, this goat ran out in front of the car. So I remembered what he said, and I kept driving. A few seconds later, I look in the rearview mirror. The goat is fine. I've missed him by millimetres. Now, obviously, I didn't want to fail my test. (laughs) So I slapped it in reverse like that. I must have been chasing him through that field for about 45 minutes before I ran over his head, and he still failed me. strangest things have been going through my mind because I turned 40 and I guess I'm going through a life crisis or something. I don't know. I, I, and I'm not worried about aging. I'm not one of those characters, you know, I, although I'm balding slightly on top. That's about the worst you can say about me. I, um, I think I'm going to get better as I get older. You know, I think I'm going to be the, the balding virile type, you know, as opposed to, say, the um, distinguished gray for instance, you know, unless I'm neither of those two, unless I'm one of those guys with saliva dribbling out of his mouth who wanders into a cafeteria with a shopping bag screaming about socialism. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, you know, I think maybe that's us, you know, we're these middle-aged guys screaming about socialism. Mm-hmm. You know that old statement, if you're not a socialist by the time you're 20, you don't have a heart. If you're still a socialist by the time you're 40... No brain. No, no, no mind, right. Yes, that's right. Um, now, Charles, I know you are aware that these bans and things are, are, are part of a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. They're not just isolated incidents that happen out of the blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you certainly have, from a businessman's point of view, like you've not just been in this business, you ran Land of Software, you've gone, mm-hmm. you know, that's t- totally different in yep. um, activities, but still in the same business environment. Right. What would, what would you say are the biggest 
things that you'd like to, if you could just Well, that's, that's actually a really good point. I, it just dawned on me in the last year or two that if you're um, existing in, in this society, Ontario, North America in general, there are so many regulations and uh, laws and different things. There's actually no way for anyone to be able to know everything that's required of them because there's just a myriad of things that just are so beyond the pale, stuff that's minutia that how in the world did they ever come up with that? Everything from what you can post on a sign on a commercial business here in London to if you're actually in charge of construction of a building like I was last year when I built a new one and, you know, employed lots of people, created tons of jobs. The Ministry of Labor came by and I had seven things I had to address, every single one of them involved paperwork. I had to have an emergency plan of how I would get to a hospital if one of my workers was injured. And you, didn't have other to you didn't have to build anything or provide anything. Eh? No, there was not a single safety-related issue. Oh my goodness, that scaffold there has a cracked piece of metal. My God, get rid of that, change that. And there's something you know that really could involve an injury. It was seven items of paperwork that I had missed. I had no idea there were even regulations regarding me as the project, con <laughs> project manager. There's no way anybody could know that. Right. Listen, Charles, we've got caller Kevin on the line. You want to, uh, Kevin, are you there? Hello, Kevin. No, Kevin? Oh, he's gone, is he? Okay, Kevin left us, but carry mm -hmm. on. Yeah, that's one of the things that um, surprised me so much. I mean, even if you want to do something fairly simple, let's say open up a hairdressing shop, well, there's probably so many regulations that you haven't necessarily heard about. They've pretty much made it uh, n close to impossible to create uh, work, to start something up, to basically achieve your, um, you know, your lifetime's goals or anything like that. It's just phenomenal how people don't understand that regulations like these ultimately lead to less freedom, less prosperity, and less human happiness in general. And if that's what you're for, you know, say it up front. Don't try to hide it in regulations that you pretend are going to make things better for everybody. Well, that's a pretty daring thing to say. You don't hear that coming from a businessman too often. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> did you have some bitter experiences in the past that we don't know about, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it was the November of 96. Um, I was putting up a sign oh, to direct too. people yeah. to my uh, my Christmas tree lot, which I run in the garden center, and it was just a piece of plastic put on with one-inch screws into steel on my own building about 40 to 60 feet away from the road, and a bylaw officer drove up and said, have you got a permit for that? And we laughed at him without a permit to put up a plastic sign. It was just some kind of a joker. We didn't, you know, he didn't introduce himself as a bylaw officer, but he was driving a City of London truck. We kicked him off the property. We said, get the hell out of here. There's no way that can possibly be. But sure enough, I, uh, he came back the, a couple of days later and photographed every single one of my signs and went through the records to see if there was permits or not. And sure enough, I never just pay the fines. I drag it out and I went to court and I beat him on two of them and or no, there was two charges ultimately, and uh, oh, this dragged on for a year and a half. But incredible that there was a bylaw that says you have to have a permit just to put up a sign. And it was a nice, simple sign. It wasn't something terrible that, uh, you know, was... Uh, no, you told me it was just made out of core plastics, not even a yeah, big wooden sign or nothing. advocating insurrection or anything uh. like that. It was saying Christmas trees with a big arrow so people would see where to enter to get their beautiful, nice Christmas tree. So just now, now, even while on that sign thing, you were saying that they actually regulate freedom of speech on the signs themselves. That's right. A lot of people uh, have reader boards as part of their mm -hmm. um, part of their sign where at the bottom you can put, you know, certain a few lines on and you cannot put a message not related to your business. So you can't say, you know, London's mayor is incompetent or anything like that. It has to be business related. 
and they can make you take that off, which is completely... So you can't say uh, support our local troops. You can't say, um, you know, go Knights, go, anything like that. Eh? Absolutely, yeah. It's um, actually banned. What a wonderful society we live in, mm-hmm. you know. It just, um, just seems to be getting worse and worse all the time. They obviously had too much time when they made those laws. Clearly, that's not uh, something that uh, should even have come up on the agenda. It didn't fix the roads. It didn't uh, create more jobs or anything like that. It just what, what took away our freedom. What do you see as... Um, you know, one of the problems I see, certainly locally here, is that uh, a lot of these issues are just simply not brought to the viewpoint of most of the people. And and quite frankly, it, and I, this is no secret to people, people who listen to this show, I don't think we really even have any serious media here that informs people mm-hmm. about what's going on and what the real issues are. Yeah. We talked about that a lot in, on the past few ep- um, broadcasts of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you had some cl- complaints in, in that respect, too. Is it just relating to the politics of the media or more a lack of service to a business community kind of thing that you were thinking of? Well, I think you, you really only get one viewpoint, and that is the, um, the viewpoint that regulation is good. I mean, if you look at uh, even our major paper here, the reporters are unionized, for heaven's sakes. Uh, you know what the unions normally do? Basically, they protect the incompetent. The uh, excellent employees are the ones that are desperately kept by uh, you know any business. That's the last people they want to want to lose. And so, if you have a unionized uh, workforce at some of the uh, papers or the CBC, of course, you know the type of people you're going to get in there. Uh, that's one of the things. And um, as far as people being involved in uh, important issues, I mean, we're kept so busy with all the mundane little nonsense of life and. Uh, you know, of course, and filling out uh, and filling out forms, explaining what you're going to yeah. do. <laughs> so that's, I think, uh, the the problem there is, yeah, there's really no other opinion that you can get. Although now with the web, I mean, you can basically get to the facts fairly quickly if you're uh, willing to do a little bit of work. But then it's the work; it's not presented there for you, nice and easy as it is in the media. So. What would you see as a, is, is there a solution required? Does it even matter that we have a local media anymore, really, or is it getting Well, kind I of think irrelevant? the local media is getting exactly what it deserves, slowly but surely, because what they're providing to people doesn't ring true, whether it be on the CBC or, um, you know, the local paper with declining circulation. People look at it, does that fit with my life? No, this doesn't make sense, and uh, they wither on the vine. I think the New York Times is going broke, the Chicago Tribune just did. All these people that, all these papers that aren't, uh, you know, reflecting real values or, uh, you know, providing anything that people really want to listen to or that say, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're going to die anyway. So but what's interesting, you know, um, all the, all of the media in North America are complaining about bad times right now, mm-hmm. including the successful ones, by the way, right? including the National Post, whose circulation is up and is the only paper who hasn't circulation. Oh, right? Yeah, I, I've yeah. been keeping the, the clippings. However, uh-huh. That doesn't mean their money's necessarily up, and I, I know they have to. I already heard that they're going to be eliminating what nine Monday editions of the Post during the summer. Oh yes, uh-huh. uh, just to save on costs, because of course the summer right. they're not going to get the normal advertising revenue exactly, that they get. Yeah, the uh, paper has been getting some sure. thinner lately. Yeah, and uh, that's that's not a fault of their circulation, but of their advertisers. So yes. they're responding, but they're yeah. still in the they're still in the quote black, so to speak. Right. Not, n- no pun on Conrad, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but. Um, a lot of people are turning the papers like that, but they're national papers, and so mm-hmm. you don't get even the local weather or the local TV listings or anything like that, right? Yes. So to get local service anymore from from a media, do you think London could use a, a paper? Like if somebody started one up, I know it's been tried a few times, but... 
I think I did they that probably could, but um, you know, really, with the internet now, it's just e- easier to get it in different ways. Um, you know, it's nice to have a paper; you can read it a little easier on the porch and so on. But um, no, I think the internet's going to take care of uh, people's real media needs uh, probably quicker than we think, and it's uh, it's evolving as uh, things always do in the business world. People gravitate to what they want, and what they don't want dies. By the side. And that's pretty much how free enterprise and life in general works, doesn't it? Absolutely. So many of those big computer companies that, um, you know, had the best products, like Lotus is gone. I mean, even Ashton Tate, they had a wonderful one. You never hear about them anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all a matter of something comes up, and, and then in no time, somebody comes up with something better, and that should always be the case. So that if I run a rotten garden center, I should go broke. If I want a great one, well, my competitors maybe don't do so well. That's how it should be, because the only way I get ahead is if I look at after my customers, and that's the perfect way. Well, that's certainly a principal stand to take, and I think uh, we're out of time, believe it or not, Charles. I want to thank you for joining us today. That just flew by once again, as it usually does. I appreciate it. So I guess we'll have to wrap it up this th- for this week, and we hope you join, I guess, join us again next week, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, and think right. Take care. Fade into color, color into black and white, under the bedclothes. It's good to be here, man. You guys travel across to the States? You go to the customs? Aren't they a pain in the ass going across? Coming here today, they had us for two days. They were screaming at us, man. We were, the other day, they screamed at us. The guy's going, you know nothing about our country. He brings me the office, he picks Queen Elizabeth on the wall, he goes, you have any idea who this is? I said, I don't know, the employee of the month? <laughs> that wasn't a good answer, let me tell you something.